The following podcast is a mass media production. Hey, this is Chad Namiro. And I'm Kelly Namiro. Welcome to the Balancing Chaos Podcast, a lifestyle podcast where we will interview guests about wellness, business, and just about everything in between. Our goal is to help you develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and success. Through our conversations, we hope to inspire you to live a beautiful, full, and joyful life as you navigate balancing the chaos. We hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today, one of our good friends is coming on. Her name is Jessica Rabo. She is the owner of Core Pilates Studio. She is a Pilates instructor herself by trade. Uh, a huge believer in what Pilates can do for the body in terms of injury prevention, uh, spine health, etc. Uh, you know, aside from business, she's a mom uh, and very driven person generally. So we're lucky to have her. You guys, this episode with Jessica is so good. I am so excited for you to be able to hear about why and how she got into Pilates because it was a way for her to feel good in her body when she used to be a dancer. And you can kind of get an understanding of why Pilates is a good type of workout for any age group. It's really wide ranging in the way that it can be more athletic or more easygoing, but it's always low impact. And for me, that's part of what helped me on my journey to heal my cortisol levels and my thyroid, because that high impact, high intensity stuff can be really, really problematic for women. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. We don't just talk to Jessica about low impact movement. We really get into diet and what makes a healthy body in general. We talk about her business and how she's growing it to stay relevant in a world that is going completely virtual. Um, And we talk about why sometimes having an in-person trainer can be really, really helpful. So, so much more is packed into this and I hope you guys absolutely love it. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for a trusted resource for luxury Las Vegas real estate? The Ivan Share Group is the expert in the luxury Las Vegas real estate market, specializing in high-end homes and luxury high-rise properties. And trust me on this one, Chad and I can attest, they are so amazing. We've been working with them for the last few months on trying to find a new home, and they're showing us the most incredible properties. The Ivan Share Group is a dynamic team of leading real estate experts dedicated to client satisfaction. Their extensive expertise in Las Vegas Vegas and Henderson allows them to help luxury home buyers find their dream home no matter what their needs are. And like I said before, we are super, super specific on what we need, like a playroom for the kids and a home gym and (laughs) things that not all homes have. And they are really good at showing us exactly what we want to see. They're dedicated to helping you buy, sell, or invest. So contact Ivan and his team today at 702-315-0223 or visit isluxury.com to learn more and learn what they do differently. The Ivan Share Group is luxury, your trusted resource for Las Vegas real estate. Hey Jess, thanks for coming on the show. We're really, really excited to have you. My wife absolutely adores you and raves about Pilates and you and your business and everything about you. So we're really looking forward to hear more about that. Thank you. I'm very excited and honored to be the first guest. (laughs) Well, Pilates is really something that has absolutely transformed my life. That's why I'm so excited that you're here and able to talk to all of our audience. Everyone knows on Instagram that 
I talk about Pilates all the time. That's why I decided to become an instructor myself. But most people might not know why it changed my life. It really changed my relationship with movement. I was so hard on myself, like forcing these workouts that were super intense. And the second that I came to Cora, Cora was the first place I ever tried Pilates um, because Lynn actually introduced me to it. I came in and I didn't realize that a low impact workout could also be athletic. And it was life-changing, like Mm -hmm. changed my the way I thought about movement. And so from there, um, once all my hormones really got balanced and, um, you know, my stress levels changed, there was so much that happened through it. I knew that I had to go through you to become a certified instructor and, um, teach this to other people. Cause it's, it's such an incredible way to move your body, but also not be injured. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started and core and all of that. Yeah. So I actually grew up in a military family. So my father was um, military. He was in the Air Force and my mother was Spanish. Um, And they happened to meet in Spain at a club one night. (laughs) Um, And then the rest is history from there. But so I grew up, I was born in Spain. Um, I actually lived in the town that my mother was from. So I didn't have the military life right off the bat. Mm. My dad would travel back and forth from work. Um, And while I was in Spain, I started doing flamenco dancing. It's kind of the thing that you do if you were born there. Um, It's just part of the culture and every little girl, kind of like ballet in America, um, everyone goes through flamenco training there. So um, after Spain, I moved to England. My dad got transferred to England. Um, And after England, we actually moved to Vegas. And while I was in Vegas, I ended up um, joining a flamenco group here. So just kind of to get friends and familiarize myself with, um, you know, something that was from my past and that made me feel really comfortable. And during um, this, my time in the flamenco group here, my instructor was like, hey, you've got really bad posture. I want you to try and do some Pilates and see if we can kind of correct those things. I think it'll make you a better dancer on top of that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got started in the Pilates world. I started taking Pilates in college to kind of improve my posture and Mm -hmm. strengthen my core um, and become a better dancer from it. Um, So that is how I got my start. And then from there, you, like 10 years later, opened up Core, right? That's, you opened up your first studio? Um, So probably about five years after that. So I got, while I was um, taking classes at UNLV, I decided to get certified. So UNLV had a certification program that you could do. Um, And from there, I started working with just mainly ballerinas. So Mm -hmm. I only worked with ballerinas at UNLV. And so I was used to working with just one type of body, and it was perfection. So like, they were able to (laughs) execute the movements really well. Um, And once I got my first job doing um, fitness-based Pilates. It was at Anthem Country Club. And I remember my very first group class, it was just general population people. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, how are they not moving properly? Like, what's going on? Because I was so used to working with dancers and Mm -hmm. it being perfect. Um, And what I noticed working with general population and doing Pilates is that they were actually getting more of a benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So they were becoming stronger. Um, They were taking what I was teaching them out into their um, daily lives and having an easier time just doing regular physical activities outside of the studio. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of when I became really interested in the therapy side of Pilates. 
Mm. And from the fitness side, I went into working into a rehab studio for the next five years. Yeah. Um, and that is where I opened up my first uh, location, was inside of a Pilates clinic, well, a rehab clinic. Amazing. And now Core House, how many locations? Three. Yay. Yeah. And they're all over Las Vegas. So if you want to go and work out with the most amazing trainers, it's seriously the best. I there's nowhere I love more to work out. Use coupon code Kelly. For- <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit how rehab-based Pilates works, since that was how you know you really got into this in the first place. Yeah, so rehab-based Pilates is basically using the Pilates method um, and modifying it to clients who have injuries. And mm-hmm. those injuries can be, you know, a wide array of, of injuries. We've got hip replacement clients, we've got knee replacements, we've got low back injuries, disc issues, we've got neuro disorders. Um, and what I love about Pilates is that you can modify it to anybody. So anybody who might have an injury um, or even somebody who might have Parkinson's, uh, we work with a lot of stroke patients rehabilitating them as well. Mm-hmm. So we're able to use the equipment, put them on the equipment and give them an amazing workout, but also rehab all of those injuries. So we know that a lot of times when we see injuries, it comes from muscular imbalances. And the whole purpose of Pilates is we want to train all of the muscles to work correctly and harmoniously together so that we're getting away from all these muscular imbalances, these gait issues that we're seeing in clients in their daily lives that are creating these types of injuries, that they're A, able to recover from the injury, and for our other people that are coming in, are able to prevent those injuries happening to themselves. And not have that like chronic pain that so many people complain about, right? Yeah. So I think it's like 98% of Americans will experience back pain in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, And so a majority of the clients (laughs) who come to Pilates are recommended from um, physical therapists. Yeah. Yeah. So it's usually what they want to do is before having surgery, they try to send them to Pilates because we know if we can strengthen the core, Mm -hmm. we can usually get most people to not experience any back pain. Yeah. So um, I actually think that you should definitely start Pilates before you turn to having surgery. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think about it in the way that I, I really love, what I really love about core is that you have that side of it where you see people who, you know, may have an injury or are trying to deal with a, a pain issue and are trying to rehab that. But you also see women like me who don't necessarily have a pain issue. I just want to get strong and I want to do it in a way that's going to keep my hormones balanced and my cortisol not through the roof where it was before I came to see you. So when it comes to younger women who are just looking to increase their strength, what is different about core and the way you guys do Pilates? Because you modify to help people who are injured, but you also modify to help people get into shape really well. Yeah, so there's kind of two sides to our business. There's kind of this rehab-based side, which is mainly our private sessions. We're working one-on-one with that person and trying to rehab their specific injury. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we also have some one-on-one classes where we cater just to people who are injured, and we try to fix everybody in one class. Um, And the other side is the fitness aspect. So our name is Athletic Reformer Pilates. So what we've done is kind of taken the Pilates method, added in some other fitness modalities, um, still kept it low impact, but not necessarily low intensity. So we're not jarring the joints. uh, We're not tearing any of the muscles. um, And we're still able to create a ton of strength in people without giving them any other injuries um, during the actual workout. It's definitely the most toned my body has ever been with like 
I don't want to say the least amount of effort, but it's definitely less than I was doing before. Yeah. Everybody always laughs because they're like, I love that I get to go to like lay on my back the entire time and do this workout. But Pilates is kind of known for working all of those really tiny, small muscle groups um, outside of those larger ones that you normally would see in like heavyweight lifting. So we do work on the larger ones, but we're really kind of known for working on all of those little smaller, tiny muscles and really making them burn during class. And one thing I've really learned since, you know, being at your studio, having a baby is that that way of that way of doing Pilates, the athletic way is so amazing to get toned. And, but after like having a child, like I just did, it's also really great to work the pelvic floor. And I think so many women don't realize that your pelvic floor needs to be toned and tightened after having a baby. So can you explain that a little bit about what happens and then how Pilates can help make a difference once you've given birth? Yeah, so pelvic floor health, I think, is probably one of the most underrated um, conditions that we see. So poor poor pelvic floor health Mm -hmm. leads to... um, a wide variety of conditions. We know there can be um, a prolapse. Mm-hmm. So that's where your actual organs are falling out through the vagina. That can yeah. happen. There's pelvic pain. Um, we have rectus diastasis that we see after birth. That's where your um, abs split, right? Yeah, the abs split. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of different conditions that are related to poor pelvic floor health. And I think people don't understand, like your pelvic floor is not just your Kegels. We're talking about the transverse abdominis, which sit underneath the rectus, mm-hmm. underneath that six-pack muscle. Uh, We're talking about your diaphragm, your breathing muscles. All of those are connected Mm -hmm. to the pelvic floor as well as the low back extensors or the multifidi is what we call them. Mm -hmm. So they're the muscles that are closest to the spine. Mm -hmm. So what we do in Pilates, and even if you're coming for the fitness aspect of Pilates, we're still trying to teach you how to engage the pelvic floor just because we feel it's so important as a woman. We know even as we age, even if you don't have children, as you age, you start to get weaker in those pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. So what we do at core, and you'll hear us say this a lot, we're always like, engage the pelvic floor. <laughs> um, and the reason why we do that is because we're trying to strengthen you from the inside out. Yeah. So we want to make sure that you're not having these issues um, and having to have surgeries down the road. So there's three different types of pelvic floor prolapse. You can have a grade one, a grade two, and a grade three. And mm-hmm. I think the statistic is like 98% of women who birth a child will have a grade one prolapse. Yeah. So it's so important to keep working it. Yeah, for sure. Grade two is basically when you're having one of the organs is beginning to get pretty close to coming out of the vaginal wall. Mm -hmm. And then a grade three is where we actually see the organ prolapse completely out. And at that point, grade three is a really hard fix. It's usually had to be, has to be fixed by surgery. Uh, I ended up having a grade two after my second son Mm -hmm. and going to pelvic floor physical therapy. And I learned a lot about just the fact that we should be teaching women um, prior to childbirth about pelvic floor health and making sure that they're healthy in the pelvic floor muscles before they actually give birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know there's a big... um, a big push to have pelvic floor therapy be kind of a required thing that you do after you deliver your child and that it should be covered by insurance, which I think it should be. I think it is in Europe, isn't it? I think Europe is one of the the contenders that's making a big push for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know it leads to a lot of different issues later on in life, incontinence, frequent bathroom visits, prolapse, pelvic pain, um, all kinds of issues. 
Yeah. I mean, I know when I had my son, I definitely felt like weaker, especially in my lower abs. And I could tell that like when I was standing to the side in the mirror, I could kind of see even after I had lost all the baby weight, there was still this weird curve in my posture. It was almost like the pelvic floor was like sagging a little bit. And by using Pilates, it's like you can lift that back up and really strengthen the core, strengthen your posture, all of that. Yeah. And we see with pelvic floor exercises where people will actually lose what we call kind of like that baby pooch after you've had a child. Yes. You can actually get rid of that. That it, What you're actually seeing is um, some of those organs pushing forward. Yeah. So I know you're a mom too, Jess. Tell us a little bit about how being a, a mom and running a business has affected your health? <laughs> yeah. um, so it's funny because I probably have spent the last 10 years of developing my business, working 100 hours a week. And in the process of those 10 years, within the last six year, I've um, had two children. So um, the girls at work always make fun of me because my nesting or my type of nesting is to open another location. So like in the middle of my pregnancies, when I'm like in the seventh to eighth month mark, I'm like, I got to open another location. I have to do this. Um, And it just makes me feel fulfilled. It makes me feel like, you know, my role isn't just to be a mom in this life, that I have these goals that I really want to accomplish. Um, So those are really important things to me. And so I think the reason why I would always open another studio during a pregnancy is because I needed to know that there was going to be something else for me besides just being a mom. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I think it's so important to connect to a purpose. It brings that sense of fulfillment every single day. So with the pelvic floor conversation, a lot of it's applicable to women and childbirth and all that. Obviously, your core demographic is mostly women, I assume, right? Yes. 90% plus? Yeah, but pelvic floor health can also affect men. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, is it mostly related to, like, what do you see mostly with men? Is it back pain? Uh, um, with I actually haven't worked with a male who's had pelvic floor prolapse, or they at least you. haven't told me that they have it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's possible yeah, for all I you mean, guys out there. <laughs> yeah, or even just pelvic floor dysfunction is really what we call it because there's right. a wide array of um, different diagnoses that you can get. But we know that anything excessive coughing can cause pelvic really? floor dysfunction, okay. uh, heavy lifting, <clears throat> pretty much anything that puts um, strain on your pelvic floor muscles can yeah. cause pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah. So it's, I think it's one of the most important muscle groups that we should be focusing on and working on, especially for people who are aging. So and I'm not talking like 60 and up. I'm talking girls in their 30s, 40s. Um, it's really important. So you talked about the injury aspect of the business. When you, know, you have clients that come in with some serious injuries, is the recommendation usually that Pilates is the entirety of their, their workout regimen until they're in a better place? Or you know, do you oftentimes recommend other things in addition to like yoga or swimming or other, you know, low impact exercises, let's say. Yeah. I think depending on what their condition is or what their injury is, um, we can definitely recommend other forms of fitness. Um, what we see typically is when a client has an injury, they'll start usually in a physical therapy office. So usually they've gone and had surgery or something like that. Then they've gone to physical therapy. And what happens in physical therapy is they get you to a point where you're feeling pretty good and, and then, then you're discharged. Yeah. Well, then you're discharged. And it's yeah. like, what do you do from there, right? You can't just keep going to physical therapy and paying the insurance dues right. and things like that. And your insurance will only cover so much. So usually we start seeing them after physical therapy. And it does become for almost all... I think all of the patients that I've been working with for the last 15 years are still with me to this day. Really? So it becomes more of this um, maintenance program. 
So they do Pilates more so to maintain living a pain-free life so that they're not experiencing this injury again and also so they're not experiencing pain, that they're living these really long, fulfilled lives um, without having any pain, you know, having to take pain medication or any kind of pain management and stuff like that. But I would recommend, you know, if if they're feeling good and their injury doesn't make them not do other kinds of cross-training, I definitely recommend doing whatever feels good to you or what gets Mm -hmm. you moving consistently. Yeah. So for guys, it could really be, you know, a supplement to a weight training regimen or whatever else they might do just to keep their body in better shape for, you know, those type of things. Yeah. And we've actually have a ton of um, pro athletes that come to core and they do it kind of as a cross training to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the other things that we see with um, guys who who focus on Pilates on top of like their weight training. They have more flexibility, more mobility. Um, They're not getting as many injuries as they would have, just sticking to like a weightlifting regimen. So I think in the last probably five years, Pilates has been kind of more explosive on getting um, males to come through the doors. And I think a lot of people don't know that Joe Pilates himself was a man. (laughs) As a founder. (laughs) Was a founder. (laughs) Of Pilates. And he also was a gymnast and a boxer. So, you know, his workout wasn't really meant to be for women. He actually created it for men. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until he moved to New York and started kind of working with dancers that it became known as kind of the workout for women. Yeah. Yeah, I've done... I mean, you know, it's not uh, as typical, I I would say, you know, that, that men... Uh, do Pilates as often as, uh, of course, as women, but like I, it, you know, I brought Chad before she's our wedding. Decor. I mean, it's tremendously helpful. Honestly, it really <laughs> is. Um, just for like guys who might not know as much as obviously you two. Like, how does it? What are the primary differences between that and something like yoga? So yoga, I mean, A, it's less modifiable. So if you do have an injury, yoga is going to be a lot harder to do. Um, yeah, yeah. But how we differ from yoga is, you know, I think yoga is pretty much a set um, a set movement that Series you do in like a certain yeah. order. And I think there's like 27 poses. Mm-hmm. There might yeah. be some variety now over yeah. the years. But Pilates is traditionally done on a piece of equipment and we're yeah. actually adding resistance to it. So um, think of it as weightlifting, but more using a resistance band or what we use springs. They're like weighted springs. Mm -hmm. Um, And in yoga, you don't really use any of that. Yeah. No, I was shaking like a leaf when I was doing a couple of the the exercises. It's uh, inner thighs were burning the next day. You like think it'll be very easy, or at least I, you know, honestly did, but it's quite challenging. Yeah. It always looks really easy. And then people get on the equipment and they're like, wow, like how is everybody smiling in your photos or, you know, smiling when they're doing their workout? (laughs) It is extremely difficult. So that brings me to a question then of how important form is in Pilates, because really, you know, we talk about results and getting the results that you want. And a lot of people want to gain muscle mass and lose weight, but, and while, while doing Pilates is great, if you're doing it wrong, you're probably not going to get those results. So can you tell us a little bit why form is so important? So I don't think you, you won't necessarily get those results. I think, you know, when we talk, when we look at weight loss as a whole, there's a lot of different factors that come into weight loss. Um, with Pilates, what we're really trying to educate people on is that, you know, we want to kind of get out of that no pain, no gain mentality of, hey, you know, my workout has to be super, super hard. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not sweating and dying by the end of the workout, then it wasn't an actual workout. Oh my God. That is literally me like five to 10 years ago. And probably like 
predominantly the male mentality, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody, you know, I've been doing this a really long time, almost 20 years now. And I don't think I've ever had a client who hasn't come into me and is like, I want to lose weight and I want to look a certain way. Yeah. Um, and that's just not our culture or who we are at core, like that's just not what we focus on. Our focus is really to make sure that you are moving better outside of the studio and that it's benefiting you in your daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want to make it about body composition and about weight loss. We really want you to come in, um, get stronger where you need to gain. And we want you to gain muscle strength and Mm -hmm. we want you to get stronger and we want you to get toned and things like that. But that's really not um, what Pilates was built for. Pilates was done so that we could basically rehab you in a fitness way. So that's kind of what we do differently at CORE. We know that we've got this really amazing workout that's also changing people's lives outside the studio. So form and technique are really important because the more that we can teach people to properly move while exercising, we know that we're going to get them to properly move in their daily lives. So we're preventing less injuries. Um, Less injuries mean less pain. Um, and we're actively aging. So we're taking those people and they're going to live a lot longer, healthier lives mm-hmm. because we're not tearing down those joints. We're not weakening those bones. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah, it's so, it's so, so true. I mean, you really, if you're doing a movement the right way, the amount of burn that you can feel when it's just like the smallest movement, even laying on your back is just <laughs> insane. Um, but you mentioned right there, active aging. So tell me a little bit about what active aging is for those of the people who are listeners that don't know and how you practice it. Yeah. So actively aging is a big part of Pilates. So it's basically, um, what we want to do is we want to extend life expectancy Mm -hmm. and we, we know that that's already currently happening in the world. People are living longer than they ever have. Um, and we want to make sure that people who are aging are aging with graceful movement. So the biggest, you know, I think if you talk to everybody, they're like, you know, I don't want to get old because I don't want to not be able to walk or I don't want (laughs) to be able to like live my daily life. So our goal with Pilates is to give people these low impact impact workouts where we're not jarring the joints, we're not destroying connective tissue, um, we're strengthening bone mass, we're building bone density, um, and we're allowing those people to actively age and use these movements that we're teaching them in their daily lives. Right, right. That's so important. And, you know, we talk about actively aging. One of the key things to that in the people who are living in like blue zones is low impact movement. And, and, consistent low impact movement. And another part of that is uh, a healthy diet. So um, when it comes to, you know, overall nutrition and actively aging and getting the results that you want, what do you think about nutrition? What's the right, what is the right balance of diet and exercise? How do you feel about that? So I think nutrition is so individually, um, it's, It's really dependent on the person. I totally agree. Yeah. So we know nutrition isn't just like the food that you eat. There's got to be, there's a socioeconomic status that you live in. There's culture. There's religion behind food. Then there's just joy of food. What does that, what what does your joy of food look like? Um, Transportation, like how do you get your food? Um, All of those things will play a factor in your overall nutrition. So I think it's really individual to the person. Um, how much nutrition will play a role in your in your journey to health. 
Um, I think what we really need to be focusing on is just having people eat more fruits, more, more veggies, more legumes, being more plant-based. Yeah. yeah. So instead of demonizing all of these other things, I would really love to see this shift and just trying to get people to kind of go back to the basics, right? What your mom taught you, like mm-hmm. eat your veggies, <laughs> eat your fruits. Um, we do know that looking at the blue zone diets, that a plant-based diet is kind of the way of the future, I think. It's yeah. kind of how everybody's eating these days. Um, and I also think it plays a big role in longevity. Mm-hmm. So I would say instead of, you know, Using nutrition as like a weight loss, um, look at it as more as like, what is it doing for you in overall health aspect? How you're going to feel, you know, in your body long-term. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Quickly pausing this episode of the show to let you know that my private one-on-one coaching container is now open. Over the course of 2021, I'm only going to be working with a small select group of women to help them return to feeling like they're at home in their bodies, to help them lose resistant weight, to feel less anxious and more energized. My one-on-one coaching is truly for you if you're tired of feeling depleted, overwhelmed, bloated, or like you're just not enough. There's no magic pill or cleanse or detox that's going to work. You are really ready to make that commitment to yourself and create the habits that will lead you to hormonal balance and vibrant health. I'm here to help you get to the root cause and create meaningful change. If you're feeling called to work with me so that you can finally feel at home in your body, head to the link in the show notes to learn more. So moving more to the business side of it, yes. you know, I think there's multiple forms of entrepreneurs, but when you're talking about starting your business, did you see an opportunity in the market or did you see something that, you know, didn't, wasn't necessarily there as far as how you approach Pilates and you couldn't find it maybe in Vegas or just generally, or are you just the type of person that just wants to create something that's your own and you want it to be your baby and, and that's just how you thrive? Yeah. So for me, um, I didn't, I I really didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. It was like never that anything that I ever thought of. I didn't think that's what I was going to grow up to be. I thought I was going to grow up to be a professional dancer. (laughs) Um, but once I started teaching Pilates, um, I got offered when I was working at the physical therapy clinic, they were like, Hey, why don't you open up a studio? And it was something that I had never even thought of. Interesting. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like I'll give it a shot. I think I was 22 years old at the time. I was like, what could go wrong? I've got my whole life ahead of me. Like I might as well just give this a shot. Um, and I ended up being really good at it. And I was Mm -hmm. almost a little bit of a natural. So, um, that's kind of how I've got started just with my first Pilates studio was just kind of by fate, by chance and just kind of going for it. And how did you learn all the basics of like, you know, starting an LLC, like managing your finances? I mean, obviously we live in a world with an incredible amount of information, but interested to see how you, you know, found all that out, or maybe it's just trial by fire and you learned as you went along. Which Definitely is true for trial a lot of by fire. I've made every <laughs> single mistake in business that you can make, right. um, which I think has made me a better business owner. To be absolutely, absolutely. to be honest, um, I definitely had a really hard time. I've made a lot of really bad mistakes, business wise, financially, um, business partner wise, yeah. um, employee yeah. wise. So it's always been trial and error for me. So 
making a mistake, picking myself back up and making sure that I don't make it again. Um, And I've had some mentors along the way too. So clients who were a lot older than me who had had successful companies and I would, you know, even though their companies were completely different than Pilates, um, the same kind of rules still applied. So I was definitely... um, really lucky to have these people kind of guide me through the process over the years. So if I had an issue, I could go to them and be like, hey, you know, this is what my issue is. And they're like, I've experienced that. This is what you need to do. Um, And it usually always worked out. And sometimes it didn't. And I just learned a big, you know, big lesson from it. Yeah. And then how did you weigh the risk benefit analysis of opening another location and then another location? And now it sounds like you're, you're looking at potentially franchising as well. So like... You know, there's a couple questions here, but you know, how do you how do you weigh the balance of like reinvesting into the business versus you know remaining profitable, not being too risky? Yeah, it's always something. The good thing is, I'm one of those people, and I think this is advice everybody can take: is always live below your means. And when right. you are able to right. live below your means, you're able to kind of take a lot more risks, especially yeah. as an entrepreneur. I think that is gold. That is a nugget from this episode. <laughs> it's so important to you know, to remember that. So thank you for that, Jess. That's a great Yeah. Reminder. So um, for me, I've always lived really well below my means and it's allowed me to take a lot of really big risks. So I always knew after opening my first location that I wanted to have more. And I, I really just centered, I was like, oh, I'm just going to open up some locations in Vegas and kind of, you know, take that market and I'll be good with that. Yeah. Um, and we're never just okay with that. So once you start to grow a little bit more, you kind of want more and you want to have, you have bigger goals and you want to do more things. So for me, um, I went from one studio to three studios in a matter of one year. Wow. So we opened two locations. I think it was like a year and six months. So, and the reason why we did that is because we knew we wanted to franchise. And in order to yep. franchise, you needed to have multiple locations and you needed to yeah. show people like, hey, this product works mm-hmm. because I've been able to replicate it twice right. and known that I can be in any location or any demographic and I can make it work. Yeah. So that's really why we did the three studios. Was demand a part of that as well, as far as just, I don't know, how many reformers do you have in, you know, your biggest studio? Yeah, so most of our our two other spaces are a little bit smaller, and they're just group classes. So we cater to 14 to 16 people in a class there, whereas our Sunset location um, has its own private private studio, and then we also have a group class space that's only 10 people. And that studio we're trying to expand right now. So even right. in the midst of COVID, we've been waitlisted in classes for three to four weeks. Okay. Seriously, so <laughs> awesome. Which is insane, because even even though we're down 30 to 40% in yeah. clients, um, we're still seeing this growth. So, so when you have that kind of growth, you also have to grow a really great team. And yes. You know, that is one of the things I admire most about your business is all of the instructors at CORE are a group of really, really incredible women who are not only educated, but they're also kind and they are there to get you to the fitness goals that you have. So how have you grown your team and what are the values that are important to you when you're hiring and so how do you carry that into a franchise model? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a great add-on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple things um, that, some really good pieces of advice when you are hiring. So um, a client of mine years ago, I think at the time it was just me and one other instructor. Yeah. Um, he had told me, because you know I told him about my plan of growing, and he had said to me, um, my biggest piece of advice to you when you are hiring is to always hire based off personality. Yeah. 
Um, he's like, you can teach anybody a skill set, but you can't teach people personality. You can't teach them loyalty. Um, you can't teach them to be good people. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of kept that in the back of my head. And as I grew my team, I think a little bit is I attracted people who were similar to me. They had the same core values that, that I had in my own life. Um, and then the other part was I really tried to hire base off their personality and their character. So, um, you know, did they have a positive attitude? Mm-hmm. What was their life outside of the studio? And most of the questions I would ask these people when they would come in for an interview was really about their, their life, not even about Pilates or how good of an instructor they were. But I was just trying to figure out who they were as a person and did they align with my core values. Um, and I think there was like a study out of Harvard when we talk about like toxic employees. Yeah. So even having a mildly toxic employee can really destroy your business. It can destroy morale. It can just cost you a ton of money. It can cost you clients. Um, it can cost you other employees. So for me, I always try to make sure that I am hiring based off personality and that I know that they're going to align with the team as a whole. And I want everyone to be a team player. So I try to hire people too, where we are all one big family and we make decisions based off each other as a whole and not as an individual. Yeah. It's actually how we at Shopify, where I work, that's how we hire too. The first four interviews or called the life story. Yeah. It's all about who you are and where you came from, and then you get into the skill set and the experience later. That's like our mentality, and it's worked very well. And yeah. I think, too, culture, like the culture that you create amongst your employees is really important. Huge. Yeah. So we try to really cultivate um, a cult. Uh, an environment where they're happy to come to work. We spend a lot of time on like the aesthetics of our studio. We want them to come into a space that feels good, mm-hmm. um, that feels like home for them. And we also want an environment where they're having fun and they like coming to work, but we're all working towards one purpose, which is to get our clients better and stronger um, and living healthier lives. So like COVID was mentioned, obviously yes. something that's been pretty disastrous for like a whole host of businesses. You know, I, I work at a, a digital first company and you see a lot of uh, workout regimens going online. And, and actually, I'll be honest, when like the pandemic first broke out, I, was, I saw it as kind of a benefit. Like I can just do yoga or what have you at home. What I quickly realized, and I'm sure you would attest to, is it's just like not the same without someone there, you know, from a form perspective, but, but also the experience as a whole in general. And so like COVID is a huge part of it, but just the general movement of humans moving more online, you know, across a whole slew of things, how do you combat that? And what would you say, you know, is your, your special sauce, I, I guess, to get people in the studio? Yeah, I think one of the big benefits of COVID is that we've actually gotten more people to move across the world. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think they say that it was 157% um, increase in sales in like fitness equipment, yeah. uh, running shoes, <laughs> workout clothes during COVID. So what we're seeing is that maybe people who never worked out um, or maybe never had the time to work out because they were always working and it was always the hustle and um, are now actually moving. So that's one great benefit. So we know that those will be our target audience later. Yeah. We're going to be able to kind of get those people to come in and experience core once this COVID thing is over. Um, COVID has really impacted boutique fitness studios and gyms. Totally. 
So we're down 30 to 40% across all studios. The good thing is we were doing really well before, so we're able to just kind of ride the wave. Um, And then we've also got this thing where we're able to keep people a lot safer. It's a lot smaller locations. We're able to clean those more effectively. And we're also able to, you know, kind of trace if there were to be an outbreak, we know exactly who was in the class. You know, when you're in a big box gym, we don't know where that person went after they left Mm -hmm. the front door. So how many weights did they touch? Did they go to the group fitness studio? Um, With small boutique studios, we're kind of able to keep things cleaner, keep people apart a lot easier, make our classes smaller, um, and also do any tracing if we needed to. I think what's going to happen with the future of fitness is we're going to still continue to see this big technology boom where we're seeing these online fitness streaming services. Um, We're going to start to see fitness influencers a lot more than we ever have. So people who are developing their brand on social media, kind of like you, Cal, Mm -hmm. I think that'll still continue to be really strong after COVID Mm -hmm. because people like to relate to one person. Um, They kind of build a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. So we know that that's here to stay. I think what sets us apart is that I do think people love Love the social aspect of going to a studio. I think they do love yeah. coming in. So true. Yeah. And we've all, I'm sure in the past, have bought some fitness equipment. We were all gung-ho. We were going to work out at home. And now it's sitting in the garage it's dusty. Definitely not the same. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, even I bought my reformer, you know, yeah. when I was, as I'm getting, uh, you know, as I was getting certified to become an instructor. And it I love it, but it's not the same as being in the studio with a bunch of people who you, it's kind of like your time to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, you're getting out of the house. It's, it's, that was like the most exciting time for me when I was pregnant too. It was just like, I get to go interact with friends and see people that I don't normally see. So it's definitely something that's missing from you know, the online aspect. Yeah, I think people will definitely come back into the studios. I think that that social aspect, that experience that we provide um, really can't be met on an online streaming service. So do you do any sort of online Pilates or I assume you wouldn't recommend it for someone just starting out for obvious reasons, but like, do you think there's a path there, at least for a, a portion of the market? or, or I think so. I mean, if you look at um, Balanced Body, who actually makes the equipment that we use in our studio, yeah, yeah. you used to be able to call them, order a reformer, and get it within a couple of weeks. They okay. are now, um, I think it's like a five-month lead time. Like, oh, yeah. that's, uh, mine took months to get. Yeah. 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 So we've seen this huge increase in people buying personal reformers for their home. But like you said, Kelly, it's it's not the same experience. And so I think those clients will come back to the studio one day. Yeah. I think what maybe the future is, is that you have to have a little bit of online streaming as well as in-person classes. And that might be the best way to kind of get your revenue numbers back up. But right now we're in the process of just trying to get our filming down yeah. um, and offering online classes. But we don't even know if that will be on the reformer. And you're, you guys have shared. Um, some stuff on like Instagram and stuff like that, some classes that instructors from CORE have, have shared. So that's been fun. For yeah. Sure. So we definitely try during um, quarantine to just keep people like knowing yeah. that we're there, yeah. you know? Um, and so we weren't losing clients at that yeah. time. Um, and it definitely helped. Yeah. So. so talking about the future, where do you see your business in 10 years? I mean, hopefully we are one of kind of the big players in the franchise world for Pilates. Right now there's only one um, big franchise company, and I think they're now estimated within the billion-dollar range. Wow. They have 700 locations. So there's definitely room for somebody else to come in that's a little bit more innovative. 
and we have a lot different paths than this competitor that we would have. So that's kind of where I see myself in 10 years. I hope that we're able to take the instructors that we have now and move them into these big management positions and that they can grow with us. Um, and I think there's going to be a team of 70 of us by the time we're said and done in corporate. So that's really exciting. That's amazing. Oh yeah. my gosh. Congratulations. Jess. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely can all of us who are small business owners can, can take a lot and learn from you. That's, that's really inspiring. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to kind of go about. Yeah. Did you, did you choose the franchise model just because it allowed you to scale most effectively and, and you know, fastest? So um, we, we kind of looked at everything that was kind of available. So there's yeah. um, licensing. So CrossFit, yeah. for example, yeah. they do a licensing fee. So you get to use the CrossFit name. You get to become a CrossFit affiliate. You're located on their website and you pay a $3,000 fee a year. Right. And I think the last time I looked, there was over 3,000 CrossFit That's pure gyms. volume-based approach. Yeah, yeah, so they don't have to do anything. They yeah. collect $3,000. I think it's like $40 million a year they make off people just using their name. Yeah. But the thing is they have a name and that name is associated with a workout system. Like nobody owns the Pilates name. So that wasn't an option for us. Right. Um, the other way to do it is um, the Megaformer Legree. Mm -hmm. So there's an interesting article that he did, but people were like, hey, how come you decided to just license your equipment and not mm -hmm. start these franchises? And he's like, I didn't want to be anybody's babysitter. Yeah. I wanted to give them my equipment let them do their own thing, and yeah. they either succeeded or they didn't. And his licensing fee is, I think, now in like the $150,000 range. So that's just to be able to use his name. Mm. And then he sells equipment between seven to 10 grand a piece. So he's got a sweet little gig going there. Problem is, we don't have our own equipment. So that wasn't an option for us either. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other way to do it was kind of like SoulCycle. So they actually owned all of their locations. So they yeah. did it within internally within um, their actual company and then sold to Equinox for I think it was like the $90 million range. Yeah. So we kind of looked at that avenue too, but... And we were torn. Do we go the soul cycle route or do we start with franchising? And the reason why we really liked franchising is because, A, we were going to be able to create a community and a culture yeah. and kind of interact with people all over the world. Um, and we liked the idea of, you know, getting to do more behind the scenes and helping people kind of build these businesses and help other women become successful business owners. We feel like we have a pretty um, good playbook on how to do that um, and how to actually make a really good, successful, profitable Pilates studio. And there's a market for it. When weighing the franchise model versus just scaling individually, like how much of, you know, raising capital factored into that in the sense of, you know, oftentimes entrepreneurs don't want to give a lot of their company away. And that's, that's a big part of raising money typically. And so... Yeah, I think if you typically go the corporate route where you're opening up a bunch of locations on your own and you don't want to have franchisers, yeah. um, I think there's where you really need to raise a lot of capital because yeah. you need to be able to have explosive growth. You need yeah. to be able to open multiple stores in multiple locations. And, and usually in like yeah. big high um, volume cities where rent is super expensive. Mm -hmm. So like if you're looking at like New York, LA, I mean, the rates out there are astronomical. Mm -hmm. So um, with the franchise um, route, you are kind of growing as you grow franchisers. Yeah. So each time somebody buys one of your franchises, you would then take that 
amount of money and you could put it into more marketing, um, selling more franchises. And the more that you sell, the more that your capital grows. Yeah. So it's a little bit of an easier route. Um, and then you're not giving away a percentage of your business either. Yeah. 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 So typical revenue share model, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 We actually looked into, um, we wanted to do kind of a reformer like Peloton, right? Yeah. So it would be a foldable reformer. So if you lived in New York in a small apartment, you could just kind of fold it under your bed. <laughs> and we were like, this is going to be so easy. Like we've got this. Um, and then once we started getting into <laughs> the manufacturing process, oh, we yeah. realized like it's a huge investment. I mean, yeah. you're looking at half a million dollars just for a prototype. Oh my god. And gosh. then on top of that, you've got to tweak it a bunch of times. And I think they said the process was going to be within three years. Yeah. So, yeah. which I'm sure somebody's already working on it. Yeah, if you could have come out with that during COVID. That I would know, have been like it would have been insane. like solid gold. Ahead of the curve. <laughs> Way ahead of the curve. Okay, so our time has literally flown by. This has been so awesome, Jess. But we want to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So just yes. whatever comes to mind first. These sh- should not be hard. <laughs> Um, and we'll we'll um, switch off. So I'll go first. Um, so tell us what is your morning routine? Because I think that sets us up for like a really productive, efficient day. That's why I always love asking people that question. Yeah. So I pretty much have the same morning routine. I get up. I have to have coffee first thing. Um, and then I usually make the kids breakfast. We do a morning walk. It just kind of gets the kids ready for school. Um, then I log the kids on for online schooling. And then I spend that the rest of the time while they're on there in the morning answering emails, taking calls. So that's kind of what my morning looks like every single morning. Except for on Sundays. That's kind of my chill morning. Like I lazy. sleep in. Yeah. So coffee right before anything. Water? Yes. Sounds like me. Yeah. Except she forces celery juice on me. I'm not. <laughs> you don't have celery juice. I do actually. I have to have coffee. I, I think it's just the ritual of having it in my hand that yeah. I really enjoy. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the best thing you've eaten this week? Um, best thing I have eaten is vegan taquitos from Fruits and Roots Juice Bar. Yeah, they have taquitos now? They just added That's it to great. their menu. <laughs> I was there yesterday and I did not see taquitos. It's I incredible. It comes with like three different salsas. Oh I love it. And then there's like a salad underneath <laughs> it. And then I love their chocolate chip cookies. I always order that with Those my food. Those are good. Yeah. I am going back this week to get <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. If you were a color, what would you be? Um, I would be red only because my six-year-old, from the minute he could say red, he was like, that's my favorite color. And so it just reminds me of him. And I just, that's what I would be. I feel like you're very fiery too. And you were almost a flamenco dancer. Yeah. And I've got the fire from my mom. She's definitely a little Spanish spitfire is what we call her. So (laughs) That's awesome. Um, What do you keep in your nightstand? Um, Not in it. On it. On it. What do you keep in it and on it? No, just on it. Um, bottle of water always. Yeah. Um, I always have some kind of like chapstick, um, picture of my kids, and yep. a good book. And so the phone is away from you at night? Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. I like to have it because um, we have alarms at core. And yeah. so I like to know if the alarm's going off. Is there any good book that you're reading right now that our listeners should know about? I'm actually reading this book for the third time, but it's called Is Butter a Carb? Um, <laughs> Very mean girls. Um, and it's, it's a great question. It's written by two really, um, I really admire them, but they're registered dietitians. And it kind of is, if you don't know anything about nutrition and you've maybe got a fear of food or um, just a fear of like toxic chemicals in your food and things like that, I think it's a really good book to read because it kind of teaches you um, about the basics of nutrition. So it's kind of nutrition in layman's terms. So it's kind of like getting a certification out of a book. 
I seriously yeah. love that for the Wellness by Kelly followers. I feel like they really are going to... I've never heard of that book. So it's one of my favorites. It's called Is Butter a Carb? Awesome. Okay. So last question. Give our listeners your best tips for balancing the chaos. Um, I just started tennis. Okay. So that's kind of one of my big stress relievers right now. One. Yeah. And then, you know, I think part of living a good quality life is... Um, social, intellectual conversations and being around family and friends. So for me, that's really important is trying to be around the people that I love and care about and trying to have really meaningful, connective social conversations and quality time together. So that's kind of how I balance my chaos. I love that. Thank you so much, Jess. Thanks Thanks, for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also connect with us on social media at Wellness by Kelly. Drop us a DM for who you want to hear from.